swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's gone. Yes. And it is gone. Yes. yes. It is Bedlam at the bank. As the doctor. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Welcome to March and the Philly Sports Hour here on March 3rd. We missed last week. Sorry about that. We're also a day behind today on a Sunday. I usually do these on Saturdays. But thank you for tuning in as always. And today we have a lot to talk about. Sixers had games this week. Flyers have a lot going on. Union started their season. Eagles have some drama. And we'll have Alex Carr on in a little bit to talk some Phillies who are getting their spring training as well underway. So let's get started now because we have a lot to cover. And we're going to start with the Sixers who started their week against the Bucks and Celtics and it didn't go well. Uh, the Bucks absolutely blew them out at home in Doc Rivers' return. Um, so not great with that. And then Boston, they went to Boston and... I mean, they played them well. It was a close game throughout the game that ended up losing in the end. Um, Tobias Harris couldn't make a layup to save his life, so unfortunate. But this team isn't built to beat any good teams right now, and we know that. Uh, without Joel Embiid, uh, they're not much of anything. So unfortunate for that. But last night, or two nights ago, against Charlotte, uh, Maxi and Tobias Harris both dropped 30-plus to beat Charlotte just narrowly, um, barely beating a 15-win team is kind of embarrassing, but it is what it is. Um, and I like Tobias. Uh, Tobias has had a tough stretch. I mean, I mentioned he had those missed layups, easy layups um, earlier this week against Boston to lose. And he's had a tough stretch. Lots of people wanted him benched, and he came out and Came out and played well and got 30-plus and won the game. So good for Tobias. Uh, Sixers still have a lot to work on. They have a game at 1 o'clock on Sunday against Dallas. So that'll be interesting. Dallas is a really good team. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But what if the Sixers really want to win, they need Joel and be back. And we got some encouraging news about that earlier this week when he spoke to the media. Uh, how's the plan? Uh, obviously, everything has to go right. Um, you know, as far as you know, getting healthy and you know, being as close as um, you know as I'm supposed to be. Um, but yeah, that's the plan. What's the, the there, what's the timeline if everything goes right? Um, I mean, there's there's really no timeline. Uh, you know, it all depends on. You can never tell how the body reacts, um, especially once you start ramping up. Um, so, I mean, it all depends on how it feels and, um, and if it feels great, then uh, that's good. And if it doesn't feel like it's right, then you gotta, you know, you gotta keep going. So there you go. Jamal Embiid could be returning very soon, maybe by the end of this month. 
Uh, but the plan is for him to return this season some way, somehow. I, I don't agree with it. I think the Sixers team, they have ta- they have some talent and they have enough to win. Um, but I don't think they have enough to win against the teams that they're trying to win against. Boston, Milwaukee, the Knicks, who they could play in the first round. I don't think it's worth it to bring Embiid back, um, risk any further injury. And whenever he comes back from injury, he's never anywhere where he once was. So I wouldn't agree with bringing Embiid back unless hopefully I'm wrong, but I just don't see it. So let's move on to the Flyers who had a tough weekend about a week ago. They had no points in two tough games against the Rangers and Penguins. That Rangers game, they lost 2-1, to one, um, a game they could have gotten back into but were unable to get the puck in the back of the net. Um, and that last play, oh, good. Puck went right by the net, a tough one. And then against Pittsburgh on Sunday, 7-6 to six loss. Cal Peterson, kind of the reason they lost the game, could not stop a puck to save his life. Um, so not great goaltending. He was then cut after the game. And Felix Sandstorm, who came in, uh, had a pretty good night last night. We'll talk about that in a second. Five straight goals by the Capitals to beat the Flyers on Friday night. Um, as the Flyers lost that one, I think 5-2. to two. Um, Bad hockey. Uh, really bad loss by the Flyers. A game they should have won. A game they needed to win in the playoffs in the playoff race. Unable to pull it out against the Capitals. A tough one. And then they ended the week against the Senators with a win. Uh, last night, Tyson Forrester two goals in 45 seconds. Flyers now have the record for the most goal, most penalty shot goals in a single game. In a single season, excuse me, um, with five that came last night. With Tyson Forrester, who had two goals in 45 seconds. And Felix Sandstorm, 24 saves, incredible saves down the stretch. Uh, he just got called up from Lehigh Valley, uh, so good for him. Now, trade deadline on Friday. Sean Walker and Nick Sealer are the two names that are out there. One could be traded. One could be getting extension. Both could be sent in a package. Scott Lawton's name also flying out there. I don't know what the Flyers are going to do. I don't. They're in a really weird spot where they should be rebuilding, but they're competitive and they're fighting for a playoff spot. So I'm not sure what direction they'll go in. If I had to pick one of them, I think I'd rather keep Nick Sealer than trade Sean Walker. Uh, Nick Sealer had five blocks yesterday, three and one kill, which is insane. And he's just, he has so much heart. He's everywhere around the ice, always putting his body on the line. Um, so I'd love to keep Nick Sealer. Sean Walker, obviously, also good, but I think Nick Sealer is more valuable to this team right now um, than Sean Walker is. And the Scott Walton thing, I don't know if they will. It'll be weird if they do trade him, but we'll see. Um, we'll talk about that on next week's Philly Sports Hour podcast, which will be next Saturday. Um, let's move on. We got a SeatGeek ad for you. Thank you to SeatGeek for sponsoring the show. SeatGeek is the easiest, most efficient way to buy your tickets. Each seat is given a green, red, or yellow dot indicating whether purchasing that ticket would be a good, bad, or failed deal. Uh, there's a lot of sporting events around right now. Philly's getting started soon. Opening day is this month. Flyers going for the playoffs. Sixers should be in. Um, as well as concert season's coming up. Lots of comedy shows as well. Anything you can get with SeatGeek. Um, if you use code Philly Sports Report right on the screen there, you can save $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Again, 
That is Philly Sports Report. You will save $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Click the link in the description or the bio to save. Now we move on to the Eagles. We got some good publicity and also some bad publicity this week. Um, NFLPA team report card came out. And the Eagles finished fourth. They got a C in treatment of of families. They got a C of that, ranked 16th out of 32. Food and cafeteria got an A. It's second rated. Nutritionist and dietitian got a B, 13th rated. The locker room got a B minus. It's 16th rated. The training room got a B plus, uh, 9th rated. Training staff A minus, fourth. Weight room, A minus, ninth. Strength coaches, A minus, and sixth. The team travel got a C in 19th. And then the biggest one, head coach got an A, ranked sixth out of 32. And the ownership got an A, seventh out of 32. However, this was this poll was done after or before the Chiefs game. So this is before the collapse and before it came out where Big Dom got um, – Taken off the sideline and couldn't control Nick Sirianni's um, behaviors and everything. So I would I would take this with a grain of salt because this was before really everything happened. Uh, Jeremiah Trotter said it would be a blessing to play for the Eagles and they have been in talks with possibly drafting him. So that'd be awesome. Jeremiah Trotter, Eagles need a linebacker. Trotter's a linebacker. Of course, his father played for the Eagles. It was a great Eagle. Um, so that'd be awesome. Let's, uh, I'm going to play a video for you here because we're kind of zooming along so we can get Alex Carr on here to talk some Phillies. Darius Slay and Stephen Nelson did a little podcast. Stephen Nelson, former Eagle. If you remember him, that's great. Um, I didn't remember him until we watched this. Um, Darius Slay had, or Nelson had Slay on his podcast because everyone has a podcast now. Um, and they talked about Philadelphia fans. Fan reaction? Oh, did you come on that tunnel? Bro, he don't understand. Boo! Like, you're exactly we, right. We, there you go, baby. If we do intro, if we if we lose it, if we lose it, oh, go ahead, time. go. If we losing at halftime, and we go in, and we go in, mm-hmm. boo! The whole stadium, and that and that's the link. That bitch, Pat. Meek and everybody. That bitch, Pat. Man, look here. That bitch, Pat. <laughs> look, Meek and everybody. Look here, everybody. <laughs> it, it gets so point to a point one time. Have you ever seen a home crowd boo you? We get booed a lot. That's you, what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, not me, but I've seen a home crowd Man. boo. People, no, yeah, no, we, no, no. We got it. We, we got our fans being the OC. Run the ball. Yeah, I'm talking about the whole stadium. Whole they stadium. get together. Whole they gonna, stadium. They play mind games on the on 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 the OC. Oh, they had, I'm, they I'm talking about. Like, they like they part of the coaching staff. Look here, they run the ball. It could be a negative play. Hey, they go cheer for it. Hey, bro. Just because you say because because you listen. Hey, bro. To I said I learned quick. I said, oh yeah, I gotta get out of here. It's not good for my mental health. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I'm hey, stressed out. I'll, I'll stress you out. Boy. I'm stressed out. I'm talking about because I ain't gonna lie. These probably the only fans that ever got to me before. That's just, what I'm saying. Just, they, I'm, not, I'm not used to that, It's not going to be just somebody new all the time. It's yeah. going to be the same one. Yes. And he going to hit yeah. you about 30 times. They going to sit in the back of your the bench. Right there. And they on your ass. Every but, play. But Big Dog. He's I, terrible. What the fuck is he doing? You got to hear that every play. Even if you make a good play. I used to be like, it got to a point where like, and I don't get it twisted. I ain't, I'm not no scrub by any means. Okay. But like, yeah, I just hard on myself. Yeah. yeah. So like it got to a point where like I'm playing for I'm playing against the fans type of shit. I ain't even focused. I have a third down stop. I'm talking talking shit to the fans. Coming outside talking not even the opposing team. Ain't it? The fuck y'all didn't talk about? Yeah, every time. All right, so of course Stephen Nelson calling himself a non-scrub is kind of ridiculous because the guy nobody remembered him until that video. So that brings up the question. 
that has been kind of going around. Are we too hard as fans? Um, I think things used to be a lot worse um, with the fans. I think things certainly shifted after the 2008 World Series because during that 28-year stretch with no, with nothing, um, no championships, and now in the last 40 years, there's only been two um, out of all four teams or five teams, six, as many as we can talk count there's only been two uh with the Phillies and the Eagles so uh, this is just how Philadelphia is and there's a lot of athletes that aren't built for Philadelphia and you get that with Steven Nelson and Darius Slay uh, he didn't really say anything he just kind of said that we're the first fans to ever get to him which is interesting because you did play in Detroit those fans are pretty brutal so I I don't really know what to take away from that um if you think we're too hard on the guys or if you don't comment below so like we can uh See what you see what you think about it. Um, let's look at the Union, who advanced in the in the Champions Cup, the Concacaf Champions Cup, to the round of sixteen as Mikhail Uva extra time goal on Tuesday over Deportivo Saprissa um, got the got the tie and um, beat them in aggregation. So they're moving on. They'll play. I think this week. I don't remember who they're playing. Um, in the tournament, but good for them. Moving on. Um, then last night they had a draw with Kansas City, um, which was a weird game throughout the game. They kind of they played not good. Um, kind of a bad played game until literally the end, where Alejandro Bedoya had a game tying goal in the death of the game. I mean, it was beyond the stoppage time. It was like the 95th minute. There was four minutes of extra time. Um, so Union are 0-0-2 to start the season with two draws. Um, so, I mean, they're kind of looking like how they did last year. They just tie every game. So hopefully that changes. Uh, let's look at the FOCO. FOCO, thank you to FOCO for sponsoring the podcast. FOCO is real fancy, the best gear. That's why FOCO makes legendary gear for the most legendary fans. Click on the link in the description or bio to save 10% off any order at Foco. Now, we are going to welcome in Phillies extraordinaire, the man, Alex Carr. Alex Carr, how are we? Hi, Ben. Good to see you. I'm well. How are you? I am doing amazing. Baseball is on. But before we talk about baseball, I want to ask you a question that I asked the viewers a little earlier. As Philadelphia fans... Are we too hard on the athletes? Um, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think it depends on what sport you're talking about. I think if there is a particular sense of unrest uh, when it comes to winning a championship, when it comes to, you know, uh, doing something of significance, I think that, yeah, the, the Philadelphia fan base gets a little too... It's a little too rowdy at times, but I also think that that works to the Philadelphia fan base's benefit when things go well, right? And if you want the good, you got to deal with the with the bad. Now, that's not to say that sometimes coming on, you know, twitter.com and uh verbally assaulting uh <laughs> players and their wives and their families is a uh, is a is a good thing. It's certainly not. It's pretty reprehensible, if you ask me. But sometimes, if you want the benefit of 
this incredibly passionate fan base, you got to deal with some of the, uh, the uh, unfortunate circumstances at times. Yeah, and I mean, if we look at the Eagles last year, Darius Slay, nobody was booing. Um, and you guys were winning every game, blowing everybody out, going to the Super Bowl, and this year you guys aren't performing. You're going to get the booze. I mean, welcome to Philadelphia. So there you have it. Let's talk about the Phillies. Yeah. Um, spring training is underway. Indeed. Opening day is this month. We are deep into spring training games. They play the Braves today at 1 o'clock. JT and Boehm both had homers in their first AP. Wes Wilson looks really good. Scott Kingry's played everywhere. The pitching, the starting pitching has looked good. Spencer Turnbull looks like the next Cy Young. Whoa. Who has stood out so far to you? Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of a lot of good going on. Um, I think that uh, at the plate, you're looking at a lot of guys that uh, are stepping up that you probably wouldn't normally see, and they probably honestly are probably a little ahead on timeline um, when it comes to comparing them to the major league guys. Um, remember a lot of these guys have not seen a baseball field in five months, but some of them get started a little earlier. Right. Um, so, you know, major league players after a 162 game season need a minute to, to chill out. So, uh, you know, some of these guys are a little further ahead. I think Aramis Garcia is a great example. Um, he's somebody who is torching, torching the baseball, um, and has, had a pretty great start to the spring. Um, but, you know, not somebody that you would expect to make the opening day roster. Uh, similarly, you have guys like Scott Kingery, um, who is doing quite well for himself, I will say. I saw some sort of statistic um, today that listed Trey Turner, Bryson Stott, and Scott Kingery um, in leaders this spring in O-swing percent, which means they're they're swinging at you know, uh, less pitches outside of the zone in comparison to the majority of hitters, which is, you know, obviously it's spring. We're still ramping up here, but that's a really interesting development, especially when it comes to Scott Kingery. We're used to that from guys like Trey Turner and Bryson Stott, but not necessarily from Scott Kingery. So that's a relatively interesting uh, development here. Um, I've also been, as you mentioned, really excited by Spencer Turnbull. Uh, it's funny because, you know, I, I'm not sure what I expected from Spencer Turnbull. Um, you know, it's it's hard to get any glimpse of anything from spring training these days because uh, you know guys are mostly throwing bullpen sessions or they're they're on the field playing in the spring the spring games. Um, so you know you don't you don't get the most of the information. Uh, but Spencer Turnbull was ridiculous the other day, uh, and the delivery is a little herky jerky. The, make, the mechanics aren't as repeatable as I think you'd like, but this is a guy that's coming off of an extensive absence from the majors. So um, I'm really, really interested uh, to see what he has to offer and what his other uh, outings look like, uh, you know, further down the road. Same with Griff McGarry. I was insanely impressed with Griff McGarry. Everything looks so much cleaner. The arm action is totally different. Um, so lots to be excited about. I mean, I've had a lot of people saying, you know, when are these guys going to start hitting? And uh, they've played four games. So, uh, you know, it's 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 a very uh, – it's been a very interesting spring, but a lot of guys showing a lot of really interesting, tangible things early. Yeah, my thing also, to touch on Scott Kingery, he is on the last year of his ridiculous contract that he had before he touched foot on a major league field. So could that be why – He's going for this, and could he could he possibly have a depth role on this Phillies roster sometime? 
he is actually not on the last year of his deal. His deal is He's not. Done. His deal oh, has done. been done. His, they declined his team option, so they paid him a million dollars. However, when he was drafted, uh, he signed a seven-year deal. Right, he signed a seven-year club-controlled deal. Right, so what this really is is he's been paid his buyout, but he remains with the club because his initial contract gave the Phillies seven years of team control over him. So he's only been paying being paid one million dollars this year. Um, so you know that that contract is is kaput uh, as it were. But you might be onto something there. I also think that it's been, you know, four games and there's not a lot of concrete that you can take away from what we've seen from Scott Kingery. But what we are seeing is what's always been there, which is great glove. Um, you know, he he is making an effort to to keep his bat longer through the zone. Um, you know, we're seeing a lot of good from Scott Kingery, and I'm, I'm really excited about that. But I, I wouldn't overreact just yet. Oh, you know, Phillies fans, we're already overreacting. Let's, of course. Let's, let's look forward to the opening day roster, which will come out in a couple weeks. There's been a lot of chatter with the final outfield spot. Who starts in center field? Johan Rojas, Christian Pache, Jake Cave. Who is making the roster? I mean, uh, Johan Rojas is the, the, the team's starting center fielder. Uh, barring some dreadful – and listen, he's not off to the greatest start this spring – uh, but barring some dreadful, dreadful spring, uh, I, I don't think there's any way that that changes. Um, and a lot of people can argue that there is redundancy when it comes to having Christian Pache and Johan Rojas. Um, the Phillies see Johan Rojas as a big part of the club going forward. Um, I don't think that's any secret. Johan Rojas is pretty easily and succinctly the better defender over Christian Pache. Um, and that is saying something because both are elite as you can be. Um, but Johan Rojas is not going to lose starts to Christian Pache, barring some catastrophic spring, right? Um, that being said, I think the real argument is Jake Cave or Christian Pache. And if the season started tomorrow, I'm pretty sure Christian Pache would would, would take that spot. Um, it's, it's no secret. I think that a lot of why the Phillies offered Jake Cave a deal this season is because he was available on a low guarantee. You can probably try and sneak him through waivers. If you, if you designate him for assignment and he will probably accept reassignment uh, and, you know, head to the minor leagues. Um, maybe he doesn't, but you know, who's to say uh, in that case though, uh, you know, Christian Pache has outplayed him all spring. And, and I will say to Jake Cape's credit, he's had a couple of really hard hit balls. Uh, a few, in fact, that have landed right in gloves. Um, but he hasn't had a terrible spring in terms of periphery data. So, um, you know, it, it's a long spring. It's a long preseason. We're going to have to wait and see. But in terms of glove, you know, at the plate, everything we've seen so far, Christian Pache is definitely winning that race. Uh, and it's unfortunate that, uh, you know, handedness is coming into play here. The Phillies will only have one left-handed option on the bench if they decide to go with Christian Pache. Uh, so uh, we'll see. It's going to be it, – it is going to – a lot of what happens this spring is going to determine what the answer to that question is. Still a long way to go. Still want to talk about some controversial topics. The leadoff hitter. People were once again talking about the leadoff hitter. I feel like this is three years in a row where we have discussed who should lead off should it be Kyle Schwarber? Should it be Trey Turner? 
Should it be somebody else? What are your thoughts? I think that there is no denying Kyle Schwarber's mojo in the leadoff spot. There's just no denying it. And I, 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 this is one of those things where I can't give you a formula. I can't give you a statistic. I can't give you anything but to say Kyle Schwarber plays better when he's batting leadoff. And that is just the matter of fact. Um, and it has been that way since he started batting leadoff uh, with the Red Sox question. Yeah, mark? I think, yeah, Boston, because uh, he was maybe even with, with, point, Was yeah. with Washington, too. Um, so, I mean, it's, I it's, it's been that way. Right. So it, this is not a newfound conclusion here. Uh, so I I don't know. I think you got to go with Kyle Schwarber. If you were to ask me who I'd prefer, um, I, I think Bryson Stott is going to fit that mold uh, beautifully once Kyle Schwarber kind of graduates from the team. Um, so I think that, uh, you know, it, it very much depends on what ends up happening uh, with Bryson Stott's development, with Trey Turner's development, um, you know, that becomes a very interesting uh, pathway here. But I'm I'm looking at Bryson Stott once Kyle Schwarber, uh, at least once Kyle Schwarber's contract is up, uh, especially if Bryson can kind of start reverting back to that uh, less swing happy uh, and obviously puts up great at-bats all the time. Uh, but I think now he's relying a little bit too much on his ability to make contact to stay alive and in that bat. Would love to see him start drawing some more walks, um, but we'll we'll see. Um, but I think I think right now you're going to see Kyle Schwarber, and that's what it's going to be. Not a not a. I am a fan of that. I love Kyle Schwarber in the Me leadoff too. spot. There is nothing better than a leadoff Schwarber. I was at <laughs> I was at Game One of the NLCS when he hit that leadoff home run on the first pitch of the game and. It was so electric. I got it on video too. It's awesome. It's awesome. good stuff. Um, so I heard something. I don't remember where I heard it, but someone said Trey Turner lead off, Bryce Harper bat second. Opinions on that? Not a bad idea. I mean, that is uh, it is a pretty well known fact uh, that the more that you can shove your best hitter up in the lineup, and the more at bats you can get them, the more success you find. Um, now I think traditional lineups uh, still have a place in in the game of baseball, uh, but as much as you can do to maximize Bryce Harper's at bats, you probably want to do, particularly given his penchant for coming through in the clutch, as it were. Um, so I think that I, I definitely don't hate that idea at all. Um, I do think that I I like giving Bryce Harper. I think he hits better when there are ducks on the pond. I think that's just what it is. Um, he comes through when you need him to. That is a, a well-known Bryce Harper fact. Um, so I think that uh, I think that that's that's a fine idea. But I like him three. I like him hitting third. I like Trey Turner hitting second. Um, you get a good amount of power in both of those spots in the lineup, and then you get Nick Castellanos even further down. I like it. I like the way that the lineup is currently constructed. And I don't think I changed much about it. Speaking of Bryce Harper, it came out this offseason that he's looking for an extension with the team to finish out his career in Philadelphia, and he wants the extension. It sounds like as soon as possible. People are upset with this. What are your thoughts on it? And will he get an extension this or next year? I mean, it is it is a little odd uh, for somebody on a 13-year deal to already be looking for an extension. 
Um, that being said, I think it is mostly just a way to say, hey, I'm playing really well. I've been playing really well for five years. Um, maybe you want to lock me up and make me a Philly for life for those last two or three years. And I think financially, that's really silly. However, if Bryce Harper goes and leads the Phillies to a World Series this season, if he goes and, you know, wins this team a championship, I don't see why not. The Astros did this with Jose Altuve back in the day. Jose Altuve was on an incredibly team-friendly contract, and they restructured it to give him the pay that he deserved, right? Now, this is not to say the Phillies are going to entirely restructure Bryce Harper's contract. The whole reason for giving him what they gave him was because he wanted to be here for a long time and because that was the the, the fair market value at the time. It does not even exist. I don't even know. But... If he goes and leads this team to a championship this season, I don't see why you wouldn't reward him with two or three extra years on the contract. Is it really going to make that much of a difference? Maybe. But uh, at this rate, if he brings you what you've always wanted, why not? Right? Even if they're conditional years. Even if it's like team option. Team option. Extra year with two team options. Right? Like, even if that's what it is, um, I don't see why you wouldn't reward him. But that does require the hardware, right? If he doesn't bring home the hardware, are you really incentivized to, you know, give him that kind of extension? Yeah, we'll see what happens this season. Hopefully they can get a World Series. We'll see what happens. Those Dodgers are glooming. So we'll see what happens when they get. October's a long way away. So, of course, we're thinking about it, but still a long way away. Um, it came out this week that Taiwan Walker has not made an appearance yet this spring. He was away from camp for a few days last week for personal reasons. He returned through a bullpen session and felt soreness in his right knee. Phillies took take it easy the next few days. Um, put it just just on Taiwan Walker. Can he turn this ship around this season, or? Should the Phillies bring in a guy like Jordan Montgomery or it came out today, maybe Blake Snell um, on a deal and kind of get out of this Taiwan Walker situation? Uh, the, first things first. I mean, it's no secret. Taiwan Walker was not um, – it was definitely – his velocity was down. He was he was pitching with something going on. That forearm issue was very, uh, very vague. Um, you know, we, we saw a lot of uh, – a, a little bit of regression from him in terms of what I think the Phillies were expecting. That being said, he's your fourth starter, and he pitched to a, I think, a 4.32 ERA last season. Uh, he he won you 17 games. Again, I'm not a wins stat kind of guy, right? But he pitched, what, 140, 150 innings? Um, you know, let me just make sure I'm not pulling that out of my you-know-what, but I'm pretty positive. Yeah, 172 innings with a 4.3 ADRA. If you're looking for uh, – Philadelphia was so spoiled by the the, the 2011 rotation. Uh, it's not every day where your fifth starter is the guy that's going to net you a mid-fours ERA. That is usually, you know, reserved for the fourth and fifth and sometimes third starter position, right? It's not every day you get four aces on your staff. So I think that when it comes to the the Phillies' pursuit of a fourth starter, as it were, um, it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It doesn't make a lot of sense for them to uh, – first of all, all of these players have already reported to camp, 
right? If you're trading away a a, a clubhouse, I don't want to say a clubhouse pillar, but a, a guy that's well-liked in the clubhouse in Taiwan Walker, and then, you know, just bringing in another pitcher to take his place that may or may not just give you the same results, right? Obviously, Blake Snell is a little bit more advanced. He just won the Cy Young. He's a lot better than Taiwan Walker, but is he push your first round pick 10 spots back and, you know, uh, jump up into the, and, and lose your second and fifth round picks and, you know, jump up into this third level of the luxury tax better. I'm not so sure. This is a guy that peripherally has always been a bit of a question mark. Um, he, he has better command than a lot of people think he does, but is he really going to be a repeat Cy Young guy year after year after year? Who's to say? Personally, his starts are also a little painful to watch. Now, Jordan Montgomery, obviously a little bit more of a dependable guy, has some postseason, you know, success, right? But also a peripheral question mark. This guy got hit pretty hard last season. There's a, some signs of regression, right? Meanwhile, yeah, Taiwan Walker regressed last year, but there's also the big question marks surrounding his health. Uh, is he fully healthy now? Uh, are the Phillies going to continue messing with his arsenal a little bit? Who's to say? All I'm trying to say is, is it really worth parting with a prospect to offload Taiwan Walker's deal, which is relatively, you know, the market price for a guy like Taiwan Walker? Is it really worth parting with a prospect to exit that deal? And then either signing Blake Snell, who's going to cost you a second and fifth round pick, who's going to bump your first round pick 10 spots back, going to jump you into this third luxury tax threshold. Even a Jordan Montgomery, you don't, you lose your second and fifth round picks, but you do lose that, you know, that first round pick goes down 10 spots, right? Is it really worth it? And is it really that much of an upgrade over Taiwan Walker? I say no, especially given the fact that I think there's still a lot to be gained for Taiwan Walker. I think there is still... Uh, some some upside there, as it were. And even if there isn't, he's a workhorse. He he has been really, really healthy um, over these last few years. And I'll knock on wood after saying that because obviously he has an injury history. But he's been healthy in a Phillies uniform uh, and even prior to that. So uh, I think that the, the answer right now is ride it out. If things, you know, don't go to plan, listen, you've got all this space to play with at the trade deadline. Yeah, I mean, I I hear you, but I mean, a Blake Snell. I, I, it, I, the Phillies, short on the left-handed starting pitching, they only have one, or actually two now. I forgot if Christen, Christopher Sanchez existed. Mm -hmm. But um, what do you, speaking of Christopher Sanchez, what do you expect to see from him this year? He was good last year. Um, do you expect him to keep that going this year? Uh, I have spent years watching Christopher Sanchez uh, and and feeling like there's not a lot to be excited about there. Um, I can fully say I've been converted to a Christopher Sanchez believer um, by many people. Um, but he's very, uh, and a lot of people make this comparison, he's very Fromber Valdezian uh, in that he has outlier sync on the fastball. Now, uh, gaining a couple miles per hour on that fastball, who's to say that that sync remains? It didn't look like it in his first start, but he was still pretty effective, right? Um, so. You know, I'm very intrigued. I'm very, very intrigued. I think he's the real deal. I think he's going to be a guy that settles in to that fourth or fifth rotation spot uh, for, for a good long time to come. Uh, I, I'm really excited about the cutter. Uh, I'm really excited, particularly that the changeup is still 
uh, looking as good as it did. That pitch is really, really something. Um, so I'm really, I'm, I'm looking forward to a full year of Christopher Sanchez, uh, just as I'm looking forward to a full year of hopefully a healthy Taiwan Walker. Uh, fingers crossed for both. But again, it, the worst case scenario is you go out at the trade deadline and you, you, you go get another arm. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, what's your opening day roster looking like? My opening day roster is is pretty self-explanatory. Um, it's it's everyone you would expect. I would I would definitely select Christian Pache over Jake Cave as of this moment. Uh, and I think, you know, I, I think the only way that changes is uh, one of two ways. Either A, the Phillies decide to trade Christian Pache because they get a an offer that they cannot refuse in that department. He is a guy that probably should be starting every day when he's playing like this. Um, so, you know, there are a lot of teams out there that could really use a glove first center fielder, or at the very least, a, a, a right-handed center field platoon piece. Um, so that is something that I think would be very interesting. Uh, it's either that or they roll with, you know, Christian Pache for some amount of time uh, and, and, and maybe it just doesn't go their way uh, and or they sign somebody like Eddie Rosario who's still available on the market or somebody like uh, Taylor Trammell gets let go from Seattle. Uh, he's not projected to make their opening day roster really by any means. Uh, so he probably sees a DFA, right? Well, maybe that's a guy that you you want to give a little bit of a of a chance to 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 work. Uh, so I think as cuts come in, as guys like Eddie Rosario start to settle on the fact that maybe their market value is not what they wanted it to be, um, you know, maybe that changes the equation here. But as of right now, Christian Pache over Jake Cave is where I'm going, and I'm giving that eighth bullpen spot uh, to Andrew Bellotti uh, over Connor Brogdon, who would then unfortunately see a DFA. Um, and then in that same token, uh, I'm, I'm going with Spencer Turnbull. Uh, obviously, it's too early to make these calls, uh, but Spencer Turnbull looked absolutely outstanding. And if you want to talk about having sixth starter depth, that's got it written all over it. I mean, if Spencer Turnbull can look anything like just in his appearance a few days ago, he's going to be a really, really helpful multi-inning option for the Phillies. We kind of a swingman type, right-handed Matt Strom, if you will. Yeah, I really liked the Turnbull signing when they initially did it. It was very cheap deal, very short deal, and I, I thought it was if he could return to his 2021 self, mm-hmm. and he did. He looked just like it the other night, a shutout guy and solid starter. And I think if the Phillies need another guy, Turnbull's right there. Yeah, I agree. Another guy that they signed is Colby Allard. I didn't know much about Allard. And what are your thoughts on him? Does he have any chance at being anything in the future? Or is he just a guy that might be a career minor leaguer down in Lehigh Valley? And if they need to call him up, they will. Well, Allard was once the Braves' top prospect in their system. Allard was for a long time the guy that, I mean, I will say for a long time, because their system at one point had, it was like Allard, Freed, Ian Anderson, and one other person that I am forgetting. Uh, but I, I was always, you know, more afraid of Ian Anderson than anybody in that conglomerate. And as you can see, I was probably wrong about that. Uh, but uh, it really, uh, he's a guy that has kind of, uh, as the time has gone on, uh, has his game has fallen out of favor. Right, he's not a high velocity guy. 
Uh, he, he is definitely more of a control over, uh, you know, stuff guy. Uh, but I, the Phillies are messing with him. They saw something enough to give him a guaranteed deal, right? Um, obviously a split contract, but you know, they're still giving him some guaranteed money. Um, so I'm, I, I haven't seen anything yet. That's really piqued my interest. Um, he really, uh, you know, that low velocity, low extension, maybe that's something they're trying to do for him. They're trying to up his extension a little bit, low velocity, low extension, low stuff. It just doesn't really stick out to me. Um, so I don't think he really has a shot at making the opening day roster. I think he's probably just a guy that they signed to eat some innings in AAA and, and be kind of an emergency option. However, they've got all of a sudden a lot of guys that can eat some innings in AAA. I mean, last year's depth was Nick Nelson, Christopher Sanchez, and uh, Noah Skiro. And this year, those guys are like, well, apart from Christopher Sanchez, obviously, but those uh, Nick Nelson and Noah Skiro are like, bottom of the barrel to Max Castillo, Spencer Turnbull, uh, you know, guys like that that have have come in and, and Dave Buchanan, right? Like uh, these guys that have come in that are real bona fide, like guys that could throw major league innings and that have thrown major league innings. Um, and that's pretty exciting. Uh, Allard too. So, you know, it's, it's very much uh, an upgraded depth position uh, for the Phillies. Uh, and it's not sexy, but it's a really, I'm, I'm a fan. It gets the job done. Indeed. Let's look at something that's not getting the job done that people are really upset about. Dollar Dog Night. Oh, yeah. The Phillies are replacing Dollar Dog Night with BOGO Night. After 27 years, they're blaming it, of course, on the fans um, for throwing dogs and the long lines in the concourse. What are your thoughts on the Dollar Dogs? And do you are you upset about it as everybody else is? It was a staple in <laughs> Philadelphia culture. And I get it. I do. I, I sympathize with the Phillies here. I think inflation has a lot more to do with it than uh, anything else. Uh, but what I will say, throwing the hot dogs on the field last season was, and listen, we've seen Yankee fans do this. We've seen a lot of, a lot of fans do this. That it's not, that's not it. I think that's really – that was kind of making me angry last season. I think that's so stupid. To throw anything from the stands onto the field is so ridiculous. So I get it. I don't think that Philly fans should be punished. I just think that the people throwing hot dogs should, you know, probably not be going to the baseball stadium. Uh, so I think that that would probably be an easier way to fix it, banning people from the stadium instead of just banning Dollar Dog Night. Uh I do understand it in terms of congestion. Uh, those lines last year were pretty ridiculous. And then what those lines turned into with throwing hot dogs on the field. I get it. I do get it. But I don't think a BOGO night is much different. $2.50 hot dogs versus, you know, dollar hot dogs isn't a really big difference. Well, it's going to be – it'll be the normal $5 cost for a dog and then you get a free one. So it's $5 so it, for a hot No, dog. but it's – Still ridiculous. You get two hot dogs. It's $5, you get two hot dogs, so it's two fifty a hot dog. No, it's 5 and then you get the free. Right. It's $5 for a hot oh, dog. Oh, okay, okay. So now, it's $2.50 okay. for a hot dog. That is not a big price adjustment. And I don't – that's not going to stop the people that were throwing the hot dogs from throwing the hot dogs. You you pay eighteen dollars for a can of beer, like uh, 
<laughs> that's not going to stop anything. That's not going to change anything. So it just seems like they shot themselves in the foot by coming out and saying, hey, this is your fault. Now you pay an extra dollar fifty for hot dogs. Take that. The, the, why would you say that? Why would you do that? I don't understand. I've been waiting to rant about this, so th- thank you for giving me a platform. The, <laughs> You're welcome. The, the, it is insane that they don't just nip the 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 problem in the bud instead of just saying, "Up, oh, we're just going to jack the prices up." Why don't you just say, "Yeah, due to inflation, we can't afford a dollar a hot dog," which is BS. But you know, whatever. Due to inflation, we want to up the price of hot dogs. Well. Pfft, you don't have to say, and it's your fault. Anyway, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's not going to stop anybody from doing anything. Get the people out of the ballpark that are throwing the hot dogs. That's- if anything, I think it'll cause more hot dogs to be thrown in protest. I completely agree. I completely <laughs> like, agree. It's and unbelievable. And they said for the concourses, they'll have extra security to make the lines flow and more pop-up stands. Well, couldn't you have just done that with Dollar Dog Night? And wouldn't they be making more from Dollar Dog Night by selling 60,000 hot dogs a night and making $60,000 on hot dogs instead of less people buying them because they're $1.50 more in protest? What I will say, too, is that I don't know if Philly's media, Philly's Twitter, whatever you want to call it, was able to organize a standing ovation for a struggling player last year. I, was I would not be surprised if they were able to organize a boycott on hot dogs during these <laughs> BOGO hot dog nights. And then this turns into a fan base versus Phillies brass showdown, which is funny, objectively, but is also like, is that what you really want to be doing to your fan? Like, I... I don't know. I'm just a little bit. I think the whole thing is ridiculous. I don't know why they had to come out and say, hey, it's your guy's fault. I think that's just so stupid. I think that was that was probably the worst thing they could have. Like, just go out and say, yeah, we're trying to give Bryce Harper an extension. We're trying to give Zach Wheeler an extension. And we're we're trying to pay off Trey Turner. JT Amito is going to need a new contract soon. And, you know, like – don't blame it on us. Like, Meanwhile, they're making. I mean, we've been throwing hot dogs on the field for 27 years. Like, there's been multiple. There's like three constants with the Phillies: the fanatic, Dan Baker, and throwing dogs on the field during Dollar Dog Night. It's just a thing. I I I don't recall it being a thing till last year. But the, the, it wasn't as covered as much because people weren't recording it on their phones because they didn't have phones in like when the Phillies were really good once in like 2009 um, where they it was a, where people were getting tasered on the field and stuff. So yeah, lovely people. People didn't have their phones then. So I don't know. It's 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 if this is our biggest problem this season, we're doing pretty we're good. We're thrilled. We're thrilled. We're good. Um, so that's all I have. Do you have anything that you think we missed that we could catch up on with the Phillies or or anything or some hot dogs? I think you covered it. I think uh, it's going to be really exciting. It's a little early in spring to make any concrete decisions and any concrete form any concrete opinions, but lots of tangible things that have been exciting, i.e. exit velocities, spin rates, you know, stuff plus and things like that uh, that you can take away and say, yeah, this has been – this has been a pretty good start to the spring. Yeah, it's very early, but still, 
a long way to go until opening day. Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Where can people find you and follow you? At Alex Carr MLB on Twitter. And thank X. you very much for having me, sir. X. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't do that. It's <laughs> Twitter. Do. It's Twitter. So we have some things in the chat to cover. Cheese B, 17, the man. Jeez. No dollar dog night. Is it travesty? He was in the chat all day. Oh, jeez. What a guy. He wants Kyle, Kyle Schwarber to lead off. He likes the depth. Yeah. Um, he's also throwing every hot dog on he owns onto the field. How many dogs do you own, Cheese? I only own one. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining. Make sure you like and subscribe on YouTube or everywhere else. Follow Philly Sports Reports. Follow Alex. Follow PSR. YouTube. Instagram. Twitter. Threads. Facebook. TikTok. Go follow there. We'll be back next week on next week on Saturday to talk some Flyers trade deadline and the rest of Philadelphia sports. Alex, thank you again. This has been the Philly Sports Hour. Thank you for watching. Swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's good. Yes! And it is gone. Yes. yes. It is Bedlam at the bank. It's one of the doctor. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Way to make it. It's great for the Flyers. And the doctor made a sensational play. I was trying to break the score. Andrew Bruce got it. Plus this.